The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild course language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR-type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deeg speaking. Hello and welcome to Fofop's Best Of Compilation Volume 4, the final uh, compilation before we go back to a regular broadcasting next week. I'm Charlie Clawson here to introduce some best of clips from 2022 uh, podcast. Mike, done stellar work over the last four weeks finding the best bits from both Fofop and Fofop. Um, normally themed, this one, we've got two themes. <laughs> Split down Will Lines and Charlie Lines. Uh, Will chats comedy and Charlie chats home renovation. So it's a dual-themed compilation of faux fop. Uh, in this first clip, Will touched to comedian Ben Russell. Uh, you might know him from the show Time to Die, in which comedians were challenged to perform the worst routines possible. Um, fantastic show. Very funny. Started, started as a podcast, became a TV show. If you like awkward humor... Um, this is great stuff. And Ben is a very funny guy. He's made one of the funniest sketches I've ever seen online. Um, I can't remember what it's called, like Australian Treasure Hunters, Australian Scavenger Hunters, about a guy who's a scavenger hunter and keeps finding dead bodies. Find it on YouTube, Ben Russell, I'm, uh, Dad Productions or something like that. It's brilliant. Anyway, uh, Ben's a really funny guy. Uh, Will, as you know, is a very funny guy. And this is an illu- illuminating chat about what it's like bombing on stage and why comedians should be okay with that. Take it away, Will and Ben. If I had a time machine, I think that I honestly would go back and encourage myself to die more early, to take the risks that meant that I died more early because, of course, you're so terrified about doing badly and doing badly stick. I mean, I have... There's a gig I did on the Gold Coast, so the Twin Towns Art Centre, that I walked off and was like, I'm never, I'm never coming back to this place. I'm sorry. This has been a mutual breakup. They hated me. I hated them. I'm just never going to come back to this place. And I only recently went back there. It was for a flood fundraiser for the area that I live in. It had been through massive floods and they were doing a big flood fundraiser. And it was great. It was like we, earned, like we raised $70,000 for the local community. It was a really good reason. But even then, as I walked on that stage that night, I was like... This better fucking go well. I am here for a good fucking reason, and this better fucking go well. This better not be as bad as last time. How come you had such a bad time the first time? <sighs> I've thought about it a lot, and I'm still not 100% sure. The real, I think the, the main reason was out of my hands. It had been a long night, and I was on last, and they had been drinking pretty heavily, and just by the time I was on, they were done, you know? Like they'd had enough entertainment. They'd had enough to drink. They really needed me to bring it home. And I think just, I don't know what it was, like the material I chose or the way I tried to relate to them or the fact that I didn't probably, because it was the last night of the night and it had been a pretty good night, like I I just kept thinking, oh, I'll get them back with this next bit. This next bit will get them back on board. And every time I did the next bit, I'd be like, it was, it was like I had... I, I guess it must have felt like what the um, commanders on the day of the Gallipoli raid must have felt like, as they know they had landed on the wrong beach 
And they, they knew that they were sending those young men out to their almost certain deaths, but anyway, that the battle needed to continue. And each, each one of those precious jokes, those jokes that had lived with me, that had served me well for years, I knew that I had to send them. I had to send them out there to be massacred alongside their friends. Those poor boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every year on that date, I do lay a little wreath at that venue just for those, for the fallen that day who gave their lives so brilliantly. There is nothing worse than that feeling, like when you're when something doesn't go well, and then the the joke that meant to, that's meant to get them back doesn't go. That's when panic sets in for me a little bit. <laughs> I I always have one early in the set. Like I mean, like hopefully very much in the first sort of, you know, two or three minutes traditionally, there's like one joke that I'm like, okay, this is the banger. This is the one that, you know, I will just determine basically if I've got them or if I haven't got them for the rest of the night. Uh, But I also have one of those, I would hope, about every three minutes, there's got to be one that I'm like, this is a showstopper. Like, you know, if I don't have like a real kind of showstopping joke every three minutes and every three minutes that champion would step up to the – Steph, like Steph, Steph Curry uh, would step up to the free throw line where he's never missed before and then he would just like throw it over the backboard and just be like, <laughs> I don't know what just happened. But that one didn't work either. Ah, uh, fuck. It is terrifying. Yeah, and I, but I, I agree with what you were saying initially. Like, I think there's something... I sort of went through a stagnation period where I was like... Because I was afraid to do new material because I did I just wanted to do well, and it can kind of make you scared of it a little bit. Yes. You just want to do well, and so I think just allowing yourself to suck. <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean, but then the idea of basing an entire show around this, like to be able to say to comedians, "Hey, you know the worst thing of your job." We're going to make an entire show about the worst thing of your job. Could you please willingly sign up to being part of this thing that is the worst part of your job? Like, how has it been? I mean, I know that you're not necessarily the one who has to be out there recruiting the people to be part of the show, but like from from seeing it and from experiencing it alongside those people and knowing those people, what do you observe the experience is and why do people say yes to even doing it in the first place? I think it sounds fun. Mm-hmm. The the prob- you probably say yes to it. I would say yes to it for the prospect of torturing someone else, because right. you get to write <laughs> you get to write material for some people, you know, and and so you tailor make that material for them and that room and that situation, and it's just absolute. It would be so much fun to write a terrible set. What what do you think your where would you start? Okay, so here's what I will say firstly. Like one of the things that I'm least proud of in my entire life, and I hate that there are certain comedians who tell this story all the time who are around at the time because they think it's very funny. And it's one of those things that I look back on and I'm embarrassed by the hubris I showed in this moment, right? Like, but here it is. This is the story, um, is that there was this comedian when I first started out who I was convinced had great jokes but just did not know how to deliver those jokes, right? And so one night at a gig, when he had left the gig, I got up on stage and did his material but made it work. And to me, like, I think that I inherently understand 
like about people what makes their act work or not work. And so my worry would be that I would be too cruel. That's like, it's like doing roasts. Like I, I know the power that I have to be incredibly cruel to somebody if I need to be. I don't want to be. I don't want to use it. I don't want to be forced into this situation, you know what I mean? Like, but, so give me an example. I, if I was going to come on your show, like give me an example of who that I, I would be paired up with and then that might give me a better example of who you'd like me to see write bad material for or put it in a comfortable and I'll, I'll tell you what I would write for them. Okay, well, well think about some, you know, um, who would you do for, okay, say theoretically mm. it would be for uh, Tom Gleason. Okay, all right. That's good. Okay, okay. So Tom Gleason's natural position is high status, right? That's where all these jokes are. All these jokes are like high status, I'm in charge of the room. So it would be stuff that was expressing genuine vulnerabilities in a sincere fashion. <laughs> like I would write him like real, like positive, like right on, like really sort of political, social, like sincere material. Like no cynicism at all, very much like having to perform with absolute sincerity. And I think the hardest thing for him would be trying to pull off sincere because everybody like expects that he's being mean at all times. So that, that would be it for me. That would be my starting position, right? Or the, or the other thing is just incredibly hacky jokes that like he would, he, perhaps he would have done when he was, so like lots of stuff about having like red hair or like being bald, you know, like all the gear would be about like, you know, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, big opening line, something like I used, you know, obviously I've got red hair, but I'm going bald. So, you know, that's a, that's a victory. <laughs> a lot of that sort of stuff. Only getting beaten up half as many times. Guys, <laughs> See, I, the problem is, I think that, that would do too well if he was doing it. I think that would kind of crush if I saw Tom Gleason doing that material. I would absolutely love it. <laughs> So there you have it. There's a little bit of uh, advice for anyone who's looking to get into stand-up comedy. It's okay to suck at first. It's not okay to suck if you've been doing it for 30 years. Then you should maybe think about doing something else. Anyway, uh, I'm going to uh, talk uh, to Cam Knight in this next clip. I, as in Charlie, as in Charlie in the past, not me right now. But I did chat to Cam Knight earlier in the year um, about my nephew who was uh, uh, has moved into the area and was helping me. Um, do some uh, renovations around the house and he's far more capable than me when it comes to uh, swinging a hammer or using a drill. And this is a man who I uh, met as a baby. I held him in my lap. I carried him around. I pushed him in a pusher. And now this little baby is showing me how to be a man and fix my house. Uh, so here is me and Cam Knight talking about home renovations. I often like the masculinity part. I really wish I had more of. Like, what are you my, talking about? Listen to your voice. Oh, my voice so sounds masculine. masculine, but I can't. Like, I like. I wish I was more handy. Like, we're doing a bit of work around the house at the moment, and um, as uh, you know, you would probably know, Cam. Like, to get a mm. tradie in to do anything, especially at the moment when prices are so high, it's fucking really, really tough. Yeah, yeah. So we've been putting off doing these little jobs around the house because it's like, oh man, like, you know, every trader you call is like booking you six months in advance, sometimes a year. 
But then my nephew, so my elder sister's son, uh, has just moved over from WA. And I didn't know this, but like he's a builder. He's, you know, he's been working on sites. And so when Gemma and I found that out, we're like, oh my God, like we've got all these things, you know, can you drive up? You can stay here. We've just got some stuff for you to do. And he's like, yeah, sure. So he came around last week and like built some steps and stuff. And I was watching, this is my baby nephew. Like I held him in my arms and he was a baby. (laughs) Like I watched him grow up. Yes. And now he's out in the tools and stuff and, and like I'm having to help him and I'm like, oh, God, I feel so cucked. You're, right now, now. you're now the baby. And I'm he's the baby. He's the adult because yeah. he can he can put a square peg through a square hole and you don't know which one to do. Well, he's yeah. like, I'm like, he's having, like I'm help, he's, I'm handing him tools and stuff. Like I'm a, like a, like a, a doctor's assistant or something like that. He's saying like, hand me <laughs> and I hand him the wrong size spanner. He's like, no, no, the other one. And then, no, no. and then like yeah. uh, Gemma, like at the end of uh, the day, she, she found this little cubby house on Facebook marketplace. And so she's like, oh, well, you got um, Mitch's ute. Can you just drive up there? And I've got this cubby house. And so we drove up there and then, I didn't know how to take it apart, so he had to like tell me how to take it apart, and, and then we put all the stuff in the back of his ute. And he said, "You know how to strap it?" And I'm like, "Mate, I don't know how to strap shit." So it's like you know, he had to lay the top down and strap down everything in the boot. And I'm like, "How do I get this far in life just having like no masculine qualities apart from the tone of my voice?" Yeah, I don't know, man. It's weird. I I, I get I get by just I'm sort of blagging it, you know. Yeah. Like I've had to sort of fix a few things, but it's I'd rather pay somebody else to do it. We when we wanted to pay our uh, paint our house, we were we were not we knocked a wall out in the kitchen and and did you know redid the kitchen and whatnot, and then we decided to save all of that money to paint our own house. That took us it took us two and a half years to finish. <laughs> Like, because we just couldn't be asked. You just yeah, get a room yeah. done and go, fuck that, I'm not doing that again. And you knew you had another one to do, just the sanding and all the prep. And, you know, at the time you're thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm renovating my own home. Nah, man, I'd rather much, much rather chuck money at a nephew or a yeah. child that I've held in my arms. Absolutely. Every, everyone who's come around to give us a quote on something like plumbing or building or whatever, and they will always say, and if you want to save some money, you know, you can just do this bit yourself. And I'm always like, no, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> include that in the cost. Like how much, yeah. the simple thing that most idiots would be able to do. Just just tell me how much that is. When we, yeah. first, moved, yeah, when we first moved in here, um, uh, I had to replace all the door hinges on. There's a couple of wardrobes. There's one in Iona's room and one in the spare room. And I had to replace the hinges. And I can't fucking tell you, like, how hard that was to do. I think I did nine trips to Bunnings because I kept buying the slightly wrong kind of hinge. Like there's all these different kind of hinges. And I was talking to a mate who's a carpenter and he's like, oh yeah, like cabinetry, that's the worst. Like hinges, that's the number one thing that no carpenter wants to do because it's just, and it was like, I didn't know until I get the hinge on and I'm like, oh, it's a fucking, it's one of those hinges that brings the door out or (laughs) brings the door closed or it's slightly like it's half a centimeter smaller than it needs to be or half a centimeter too big. By the time I went back to Bunnings, because they keep stapling, like the receipts that you bring back every time you return something, they staple it to the old one, the old one, the old one. And yeah, so I yeah, had yeah. this book of receipts and the girl at Bunnings is like, well, <laughs> you've made quite a few blues, haven't you? You're <laughs> like, uh, I get it, this. Bunnings girl. Yeah. This is your first time, isn't it, buddy? We get this yeah. a lot. That's hilarious. I, I've, I've had to – the one thing I hate about having to go and get um, screws or nails, you only need – four screws and you've got to buy a pack of a hundred or something. So I've just got packs and packs and packs, this collection of screws I'm never going to use. And I had some stuff that I had to fix here in my house. Um, one of my, the curtains sort of fell out this old, you know, the, the screw 
and the wood wore away so it just fell out and I was like oh man I'm gonna have to get a bigger screw and I just went fuck that and I just got really powerful glue and just glued it back into the wall man get yourself some really powerful glue Charlie it'll change your life you could have just glued those hinges on and nobody would have known the reason we had to get my nephew in to build us some steps is the original steps off the deck down the side of the house. We didn't realize, but they were just glued to these cinder blocks with wood glue. Like I was carrying some washing down the steps and the step broke apart and I fell on my ass. I'm like, what? These aren't even real steps. Like the previous owners had literally just got wood glue and stuck it to a cinder block and I'd never bothered to check it out. There's probably been there for you, you know, when you had the viewing and stuff. They probably went, oh, we'll just do it for the photographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was selling the property and then just forgot to tell you that that was a hazard. Yeah. You know? Well, that's funny. We had a very, like, amicable, like, exchange and kept in touch with the previous owners and stuff. And I think they've just, like, blocked my number now because I'm fucking – I will call them about anything. Like, oh (laughs) – What color was the paint that you used in the living room? Um, <laughs> you told me that the plumbing that you had like a it was like a four inch drainage pipe under the store drain. Is that still like? And after a while, it's like where's the story. where's the manhole? Yeah, it's your <laughs> house, mate. It's your house, mate. Stop asking. Just, just want to check which door is the front door <laughs> upstairs. Or is downstairs? it downstairs? Climb up. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's yeah, tough, but it's I don't know, man. There's parts I would I look at like manly men. And I mean, there's sometimes I, be, I get told that I'm I can be one, but I think it's just because you learn to adapt and learn to adopt those sort of traits to get by it. You know what I mean? Survive in on. Australia, yeah. Because non-manly men have a hard time in Australia. They are. Uh, uh, in, I always use the analogy of like you know in like if you look at who gets all the jobs. Australian in, in like TV and film, like it's always like that dependable. And he's a mate of ours. We can say Roger Corse, but Roger, Roger is Corse, like yeah. a real kind of everyman kind of guy. Has a good balance of kind of sensitivity, but masculinity and stuff. And that's a real trope. And I always say it'd be the equivalent if in America every film was cast with Bruce Willis. Like that's yes. like Australian yes. the way Australian men are represented in our popular culture is always that kind of dependable, solidly earth kind of guy. Yeah, like he could be a cop or a doctor. Actually, that should be the new series that Rog Corsa does. It's just called Cop, cop Doc. Doctor. <laughs> cop Doc. <laughs> cop Doc. Yeah. Yeah, he'll arrest you and <laughs> and zap you and fix you. <laughs> Is that your tagline? He'll arrest you and zap you and, zap fix, you you. and fix you. Is he also up. like an electrician? It's yeah, so, you know, cop doc. He'll taser you. He'll taser you. Yeah. No, I think we need to get that that sort of blue collar credentials up even more. He's a sparky cop doc. He's a sparky cop doc. Yeah, that's a very masculine thing. Yeah. yeah He'll yeah. fix your electricity, arrest you if you've been wrong, and fix yeah. you if you if you're feeling bad. Cop doc. Yeah. Yeah. He'll 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 stop you from having a heart attack with a defibrillator that he wired himself yeah and then also to cater to more australian audiences you know we can do a spin-off to that and it's the flying cop doc series as well so you can be out there reaching the the regional areas i just the the other day i mean on the on the theme of like just not being manly men and just having no kind of practical skills like i i'm underselling myself there's stuff i've done like this podcast studio i'm in right now I did this. Like I stripped the. I, I did this, Cam. <laughs> this I is did it with my own hand. I am a man. Ugh, ugh, ugh. I fucking stripped the walls. I stripped the wall yeah. behind me. It had wallpaper. I painted it. Um, I redid all the fittings around here. I installed all this like soundproofing and stuff. So like you know, 
there is stuff I can do, but I also just don't have like the common sense thing. Like the other yeah, day. but also, no, but listen, if you're talking to another tradie, you know, oh, you know, do you know how to strap something? No, I don't. But if you ever want me to fit out a podcast studio, <laughs> it's not really going to fly. No. <laughs> not a lot of, not, you know, especially where I live as well. There's not a lot of like podcasting going on. Yeah, not, it's not a huge, huge market. <laughs> In the city of Melbourne, maybe, but not up here. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it is, you've always had, as a growing up in Australia, you kind of, and me too as well, like growing up in a small country town, you have to sort of adopt certain personalities to, to, to get by and survive. Like even as a comedian, you know, some pub gigs you walk into and you just get hate stared by men in high vis and you just think, all right, how is this going to, all right, I've got my flanny and I'm a man too, you know. Yeah. And off you well, go. up here it's like everyone's a surfer. Like that is your right. kind of go-to. Like because I grew up in Melbourne and even in Sydney, like my go-to bonding with, men I've never met for is football because it's easy, you know, like yeah, everyone, yeah. It's, it's one, two steps and you've got something to talk about, but that's not really the case up here. It's always surfing. Like yesterday I got my hair cut and the barbershop, everyone was just talking about surfing and the way everyone had been out that in the morning. And I never, I felt like I felt so alone and I felt like I could not contribute. And yeah, then you're sitting there going, did you know that Riverside is the new fan? Really? I got the new uh, X1 Rode microphone and I feel like the sound is much better. Like, I, I know, it was almost like that though, because I knew the question was coming because everyone was talking about, oh, the surf this morning was pumping and, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. so that was the language they used. Um, stoke, uh, you yeah. know, real just stoke, stoked, and and so yeah. were, everyone was going around comparing notes about how good the surf was, and it came to me where the guy's like, "You surf, bro," and I'm like, "No, no, no. I don't." But my daughter <laughs> makes really good sandcastles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I can. I, can't, I, can't. I feel like that's why I drank a lot. I was sort of reflecting on that um, a while ago, where like having to go to pubs and listen to dudes just outbro each other with sports stats. And I yeah. just don't know any of it. I don't retain any of it. It can be football. It could be cricket, anything. And so they just all stand around in a half, you know, like in a semicircle staring at the footy screen, like watching the sport on the screen and just, just saying pretty much the same thing like birds on a wire. And when it came to me, I was, every time it was my turn, I'm just like, who wants shots? Because I don't fucking know what to say. So I'm drunk by, you know, 1 p.m. And if you'd like more um, manly-themed chat, I do another podcast called Dad Pod with Osher Ginsberg. Uh, We have four seasons worth of shows where we discuss, you know, mainly parenting, but things like home renovations and, and what it means to be a man today does come up. So if you like that kind of chat, you should check out Dad Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. Next up, we have uh, a chat that Will had with uh, Matt Brauner about Hannah Gadsby's Nanette special and Bo Burnham's Inside special. Um, so this is an inside baseball, comedians on comedy type chat, which Will is very good at. And I know you guys love, hence why Dave Anthony is guest Charlie number one. And you always seem to listen more when it's comedians. I don't know. What's wrong with the, my guests? Just not, not everyone has to be funny. I don't know why I'm victimizing you, the audience. We're very happy whoever listens to whatever episodes. No pressure. Um, but this is a great chat. Uh, Will, Matt, both very, very canny dudes when it comes to analyzing and breaking down comedy. And if you're a fan of Nanette or Inside, I think you'll find this chat really good as well. Okay. Here's Matt and Will. Obviously, the most famous you know comedy special on the planet in the last few years also had a person's name, Nanette, right? Nanette. And... Forevermore, the name Nanette is now 
absolutely 100% all I can think about is Hannah Gadsby's comedy special, right? Yes, like, of course. Of literally course. somebody, like, recently, and this was an older person. So this is a person who's older than Hannah Gadsby and yeah. older than the special, obviously, by extrapolation <laughs> on that point, right? And yeah. I got to introduce her and she goes, my name's Nanette. And, like, I was about to go, Nanette, like, and then I realised this is all this woman has heard for the last four years is... Yeah. Nanette-like. I know there was a lot yeah. of angry male comedians saying this isn't really comedy, but none of them are as oh. angry as this woman whose name is actually yeah. Nanette who for the last it's four it. years it's has like, been going, get in line. fucking Hannah gets yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nanette McDonald is like a word. You, 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 you angry male comics who, yeah. whose specials are not getting noticed or written about at all. You can take a seat. Take yeah. a seat for a second. You are not because, the most yeah. aggrieved by this experience. <laughs> no, no, because yeah, this person's, you know, very unique, uh, Madonna, Cher, Prince-like-esque, one name, that's your name, Nanette. You wouldn't have, like, I don't think there was, like, a gang of Nanettes. No. You know, there was a time, you know, women in their 80s now, they probably knew so many Dorises. But I don't think there was an, I can't think of a modern era in, in you know, collective modern memory that, like, there were, there were so many Nanettes in those days. Like, not the, not the. 90s, not the 80s, not the 70s, not the 60s, not the 50s. I can't. It was like 1800s. That name was hot. Like that name is so old. I'm not sure that it was ever hot. That's what I mean. It might have been one of those ones that has always been around and never had it. Like it's a very unsuccessful sporting franchise. They just have in the league to make up the numbers. Like you know, the good teams have got to beat somebody on the off nights, right? And Mm -hmm. Nanette feels like one of those names where I was like, it was never a popular name, I don't think. And then it becomes so. You know, what, like, I mean, everybody was talking about Nanette, even if people had not seen yeah. the special. It was a, like, you know, worldwide topic of conversation because it was, you know, part, right. part of this moment. So now everybody, yeah. it's the name on the tip of everybody's tongue. And poor mm-hmm. old Nanette. Now, and I imagine, like, some things you would think, oh, right, when, like, Beverly Hills Cop came out, maybe there's a whole bunch of kids called Axel that are going right. to come out or something, right? But I'm not sure if the sort of people who connected with Hannah Gadsby's Nanette special were then going to say, you know what, I should name my kid after this special. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. As much as they might, you know, re- really appreciate the insight yeah. and what it had to say and the platform and everything, it's just mm. – it, it's so specific yeah. that it's kind of like – it's kind of all or nothing. Oh, they you might, can't yeah. be like, might have thought it was like the best show of all time, but you're like, I don't really want to remind my children of this moment in human yes. history. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I, it's the collective of all of it. You know, it's, it's kind of like naming your kid Norm after, you know, Norm from Cheers. Yeah. It's like, sure, it was funny, but <laughs> he was never not drinking and he was very overweight. And it's not, he hated his wife. Hated you know, it's her. like there's, <laughs> he was trapped in this world. One bar where everybody <laughs> knew his name and all these stories. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it, it, it was kind of the flip of the theme song where it's like, that's not necessarily the best thing. Yeah. You know, it's something to be desired, but you go too far, you're in norm territory. Yeah. Uh, so exactly. speaking of Hannah Gadsby, so we continue yes. this along. So Hannah Gadsby <laughs> finishes like her show, Nanette, and she decides, I'm going to do another show, and I'm going to name this show after somebody as well. And that show... Mm-hmm. It's called Douglas, and you yes. have released an album called Doug. Now, do you? Called Doug. Yeah. Now, do you fear that there's going to be any confusion between Hannah uh, Gadsby's Douglas I, and your you know, Doug? 
I feel like Douglas and Doug, mm. of course, it's the same word shortened, but or name shortened mm. specifically. But I, at the same time, I think they're so different. You know, to me, it's it's almost like Richard and Dick. Yeah. Like they're so, <laughs> so related, but not. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you have that one uncle that's like, man, this, you know, Uncle Steve is the most fun. And then you meet an Uncle Steve and it's just a twat. Like you hate that guy. You're like, I, this guy's such an asshole. You know, like Steve and Steven. It's uh, it, I, I feel like it's removed enough. And, and also... I liked the fact that I didn't put a lot of thought into the name of this special. You know, like I have, I, I, I just was like, I'll just, I'll name it after the closing story. I'll just call the whole thing Doug. Because I personally have a real, I love that she called one Nanette and one Douglas. And I didn't even think about uh, her in terms of how she, her naming process, but it, it does and it doesn't have stuff to do with the special. And it's a bit of a toss off. I, 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 I really have a problem with specials that are just an incredibly catchy phrase that sum it all up. Like that drives me insane. <laughs> like it, 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 it just, it, it's, it, it, I don't know. I, I just, I, I feel like it'd be like if, it, if, a, if like a party heavy metal rock band had a, had a, a thing that just was super, I don't know, like they, they would take all the fun out of it. If they're just like, there's so much poetry in this name and you're like, I don't care, man. Would you just sing about your dick? Yeah. Just stop. I don't care. man. Stop. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> you know, like there, I, a friend of mine has a special out right now and it's, it's got this kind of a very, you know, evocative, sum up like little catchy name for it. And it just, I don't like it. <laughs> it me, like, That's too clever, man. That's sorry, too man. smart. That says yeah, too, too much. It's, no, it's, not even that it's smart it's just almost like you know i, I feel like comedy I, comedy is my favorite thing but it's it's to be made fun of it it's and it's it's it anytime it takes itself seriously okay. you know it kind of drives me crazy i actually didn't have any problem with nanette and what 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 she did in, in that one i thought it was fascinating i was like it's not what i do and it's not exactly what i look for but Wow, you you move the needle in a fascinating way. You got the world talking about a comedy special, which no one does. There, I feel like people give shit about comedy specials as much as they care about like learning about news at the DMV. Like they don't. No one cares. You know, it's it's you know it, they're constant and they're everywhere. And so for her to break through, more power to her. Uh, but like it's it's I, I feel like people have these they they kind anytime it, it it's very I guess what it is is being very clever. Like, oh, that's a really incredibly clever name. I just immediately go snore. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know. <laughs> that's just me. That's just me. I know what you mean about the cultural conversation, though, because, like, I mean, I, I love when Annette comes along, but I love when Bo Burnham's show comes along. Anything, anything that people outside comedy – yeah, then engage in comedy and see what people yes. are capable of making in comedy is a good thing. I mean, I, I love that. And I love when it becomes part of the – it goes outside the comedy world's conversation about comedy and actually becomes part of the broader world's conversation about comedy. Yeah, and especially, you know, it was like when Bo got angry, uh, it was so – like that new special, that last special is furious. And it, I loved – I mean, obviously I loved it. Everyone loved it. But it's just like <laughs> – I still sing the Jeff Bezos song to myself and just laugh out loud because it's such a fuck you. It's just like, yeah, you're the richest man. And so, but it's like, you know, it's like Jeffrey Bezos, you did it. <laughs> 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 I know. Well, it's kind of what you're saying, which is 
it could be like I mean, some of his stuff is so incredibly clever and knows that it's clever and showing and it is showing off the fact that it is clever. Mm, whereas that, sure. whereas that Jeffrey Bezos thing, he could have executed in the same way as his internet song or the same way as you know one of these more complex pieces because we know he can do that. The fact that he chose to just do it in such a short. You know, kind of snappy, dismissive, fuck you way was the point. Like, you know, yeah. he was. Oh, yeah. Because even that hook, oh, yeah. like you said, that hook is so catchy that you could easily, <laughs> like, make that in, like, the, yeah, you can see the three and a half minute song that has that mm-hmm. catchy hook, but he's just like, nah, fuck it. This is it. This no, is exactly. all I'm. Yeah. And I feel like he's almost frustrated by, like, his own, his own level of, um, of aptitude. Like, he's just so good at all that yeah. stuff he did in it, but he's miserable. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, I see why I see why John Lennon spent years in his apartment just smoking weed all day and just being like, just doing nothing. You're like, you know, just <laughs> it's just like tossing toss off brilliance. You know, it's like, uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like us, us, us uh, dumb people are a little happier. I don't know. <laughs> All right, that was Will and Matt Brauner. Uh I have the last clip, me and Michael Chamberlain. I just bitched and moaned before about how everyone you know, loves it when comedians come on. Well, I also have comedians on from time to time, especially my old mate, Michael Chamberlain. And um, again, I'm talking to him about handiwork that I've been doing um, and making the place safe for my daughter. It seems like the majority of what I talked about on Fovop last year was um, home renovations. So I don't know why we couldn't get a sponsorship through Bunnings or something like that. I felt like I was there every day. Um, Michael has not got any advice for me because Michael um, uh, is is probably on par with me when it comes, probably on par if not worse than me when it comes to being handy. But I won't just assert that myself. I'll let Michael take care of that as you listen to this chat. Like I am that classic um dad that's like you know there's you've got a million jobs to do and you just keep putting them off and every time yeah. Jim asks me have you done that job i'm, I'm like no yeah one that's of the good. jobs that's, i had to do that's called adhd mate <laughs> one of the jobs i've been asked to do is um when you've got a toddler you've got to anchor your furniture like chest of drawers cupboards because they as they get older they start to climb and oh uh, yeah sure, so you sure. want to like, like the tv and stuff yeah so you want yeah. to strap it to the wall yeah yeah and uh so I did this. I always do this. I don't need to read the instructions. I can figure it out. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like I got, so I'm drilling like holes in the wall and holes in the back of the wardrobe. And first attempt, that was like, got the oh man, I've got this completely wrong. Had the brackets the wrong way round in the wrong spot. You know, not secured into the the studs in the wall. So I thank God for polyfiller. So I went down and like <laughs> to fill out all the holes in the walls and repaint them. Oh, I just done. So wasted an hour there. But then I was looking at it and the way that the the child strap, like these furniture straps go is you're meant to kind of do like two per furniture item. So you, if you've got a wardrobe, you'll, you'll put two straps at the back. So if it leans forward, like it's been held there. Yeah, sure. I was like, well, you, I mean, two straps seems like overkill. One strap will do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> One strap will do it. And you're a crash bang, and you go, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> so I've done this like half-assed, not half-assed job, but I, I tested the uh, structural integrity, and it does hold up with one strap. <laughs> so I, I really, I, I've done it, but to my specifications. And 
And like, look, you might say that's terrible parenting and I'm endangering the life of my child. But when we bought this place, two of the wardrobes were, were already, they left two of the wardrobes in two of the bedrooms and they had them tethered to the wall with a very simple, like single strap and uh, uh, oh, okay. like nail screw. Combo. Did they have, so I've upgraded by going to Bunnings and getting a fish one. Did they but have small kids If they kids could do it well? with one strap, yeah, they had small kids as well. So I figure yeah, if sure. it was good for our previous owners. Sure, sure. And what, what how many things have you got to do? Have you, have you done the TV or like is it just like the wardrobe? TV's or... fine because it's bolted on a bracket to the wall. It's, yeah. not, it's not freestanding. So I've just done wardrobe in the spare room, uh, chest of drawers in our bedroom and her wardrobe. When so her wardrobe, thing... I, was the, I was the most kind of like everything in her room is is like that's what i put most attention to but (laughs) our bedroom i'm like fuck this we're probably going to renovate here anyway so i just like just stuck it up with a minimum of fuss when did it become a thing that you had to put your tv on the wall like what did that uh like when flat screens were invented i I guess yeah i don't want to put my tv on the wall i like it where it is. why not i don't know i like it where it is it's on a it's on a bench is that your tv behind you no no i'm at mum and dad's place I'm in Melbourne. Right. Still. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, no, TV on the wall is good. It's like, you know, you, you look up at it. It's like you're at the movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, Although when watch, I did. Um, did yeah. you watch the Neighbours finale? Uh, no, I did not. Did you? Hey, you're a cast member. Yeah, I went to, um, I got a friend. I wasn't invited. <laughs> I got a friend Bay who has a podcast called Neighbours, uh, oh, yeah. which is very entertaining. You should listen to it. But, um, um, uh, so we went down to Fed Square with her and a few of her mates and sat in the cold and watched it. It was actually it was actually really cool. It was very heartwarming and nice. And um, can I give spoilers? Yeah, uh, yeah. Fuck it. I mean, yeah, yeah. But like, well, spoilers. Anyone who doesn't want to know, if you've got your neighbours like saved on your yeah, TV or whatever, off. yeah, yeah. Don't switch fast off forward, now. Fast forward fifteen minutes. Yeah. yeah, but I. Uh, but they, let me guess. Uh, is the spoiler everyone comes back? <laughs> well, they did all come back. Yeah, like there was the Brug. And Holly Valance met each other in London. Uh, from I think it was in London. And then um, Mike, yeah, well, Guy Pierce comes back, and then he ends up with Plain Jane Super Brain. Yeah, and like it was kind of building for like the whole episode, and everyone, everyone in the crowd's like going, "Make a move, Mike, make a move!" And then um, Kylie and Jason comes back at the very end. I heard they, Kylie had no dialogue. She said a few words, but I, oh. I, yeah. I mean, she's a 54 year old mechanic in Brisbane, and, uh, <laughs> and she, she looks like with Botox. And, um, but yeah, I don't know if it was like kind of we can't get a. I mean, I'm sure she could. If she, she could. I mean, she'd have a bit of an English twang now, but like she, surely she could, you know. I mean, there's offer it up I, a bit, but they course, and she was an actor for like ten yeah. or fifteen or twenty and years. They, I'm sure, she could do an Aussie accent. I mean, they, I, I imagine they did this because they kept. I think they kept it secret from the cast except for a few of them because at the end it's kind of clear that they're in the same shot with Stephen Dennis and Harold Mm. Uh, but then they have kind of Guy Pearce kind of cut in I love how you use one actor's real name one actor's character name well yeah 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 (laughs) Paul Robinson and Harold yeah 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 well I'll tell you I, I used to work in a bottle shop when I was about 18 to about 20 and I do remember one day People would come in and like ask me, like, you know, we're having chicken. Like, what wine do you recommend? And it's like, I don't fucking know. I'm 18. I barely started drinking myself. And, you know, as if I'm drinking wine, you know. But I remember, and you used to blag your way through it and just be like, I'd, I'd get the one that's like popular, you know, and go, oh, people like, you know, like this one, you know. But um, Steph and Dennis came in one night and, um, and 
uh, he asked, you know, we're having beef, you know, what do you recommend? And I'm like, come on, mate. And then anyway, I was going through the routine of like, oh, this one and this one. And he's gone to be, and not in a mean way, but he was like, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? And I was like, <laughs> nah, mate, <laughs> I got no idea. <laughs> and that is the final Fofop Best Of compilation for this summer. New episodes coming next week. And don't forget, Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL adjacent podcast, has been running a summer series called My Club, where I sit down and chat to famous Australians about the teams that they support. Uh, we've had some fantastic guests on, including Broden Kelly, uh, Adam Zawar, Rana Hussein, Adam Denston. Uh, I think we had Alex Williams on last week, who's going to be playing Shane Warne in the new Shane Warne telly movie. And uh, this week, who have we got coming out? Oh, oh no, sorry. The latest one is Georgie Parker, um, armchair experts, ex-Collingwood, uh, ex-Hockey Roo, Georgie Parker. Not all saints Georgie Parker, not home away Georgie Parker, but the athlete-turned-media mogul Georgie Parker, Georgie Parker, and she's fantastic. So that is on Listener as is all our podcasts. Um, or you can also go to tofop.com to check out everything we've done. And if you want to support the show, and we do need the support, ongoing support, you can go to patreon.com slash tofop. But we're very excited to be recording new episodes of Fofop and Tofop. We've got some great guests lined up. So we'll see you then. I'm Charlie Clawson.